0: Alrighty, uh, welcome back to another episode of Justify Your Existence uh, State. We're doing a little bit of a uh, baseball preview uh, extravaganza here, um, and we'll be joined shortly by Robbie Falk, and then I'll have uh, Michael Katz later. Um, so we're going to do both State and Ole Miss, so don't worry about that. Um, you know, once again, uh, I'm Brendan Farrell, your host. Um, you know, I write for the Daily Journal. You can see all of our coverage at djournal.com. Um, And and yet again, uh, right now I am joined uh, by Robbie Falk from On3. Uh, Robbie, how are you?
1: Doing good, man. Uh, Finally got the rain out of here. Got some blue skies today. Baseball season's on the way. I'm pumped.
0: Yeah, um, Robbie, I'm pretty sure everybody listening to this is probably pretty familiar with your work. But um, uh, what all do you do and where can people find you?
1: Yeah, so uh, I work for the Starville Daily News Um, covering the high school beat there, and also I cover Mississippi State for them. I've been there since 2015. Um, I've been covering Mississippi State since 2013 and uh, I've been at Rivals.com. Most recently was at 247 Sports um, over there, and I've joined Paul Jones now, my longtime coworker over at Maroon and White Daily uh, on three, and we're really excited about the future that we have at own three, um, I think we're doing some really big things over there as a network and our site as a whole has been um really good seen the first the first few months have been really good for us and um we've we've gotten some momentum going. We got a great message our community. So if you're a state fan out there and interested in a, a great community of fans, good uh team and recruiting coverage, come check us out.
0: Yeah, and so you know, you said that you've been covering states since 2013, so um, you know a lot has changed uh, over the baseball end uh, since then. So um, you know, how do you feel coming into this season, maybe compared to previous years?
1: Yeah, you know, it's a lot of you know wait and see for me. The you know the first few years of Chris Lamonis there was a lot of excitement, and I think he did a really good job of getting the most out of those teams. And he had some really talented teams, but he put those guys in the best possible position to succeed and kind of stayed out of their way. And a lot of times in baseball, I think that's a great approach. When you get teams like that, don't try to micromanage them. We've seen that in the past with some really talented Mississippi State teams, coaches just trying to micromanage. and um, it, It kind of disrupts the team chemistry and Um, you know, messes with those guys' heads. And he did a really good job of letting those guys be themselves and do their thing and went to two College World Series in three years or three seasons, I guess. 2020 doesn't really count. But then he won a national championship and he gave Mississippi State something that it's never had before. And, you know, I really thought coming into that next season in 2022 that, They were really set to make a run um, for several years to come. The floodgates were kind of opened. You finally won that championship. And then they weren't able to capitalize on that. They've had back-to-back seasons of nine wins. A lot of that has been the pitching side of things. The pitching has just been atrocious the last two seasons. Last year was one of the worst pitching seasons in school history uh, with over seven runs of an ERA. So this year – you got a new pitching coach in Justin Parker, who I think is really good, did a great job at South Carolina, had a you know top four, top five pitching staff in the SEC. And I think he's going to be able to really work with these pitchers and change that mindset that they had under Scott Foxhall. Um, and I, I like the approach that I'm hearing about with him. I like the philosophy side of things. But it's still, like I said, a wait and see. We have to see what this pitching staff is going to be. If they're if they knock two runs off that earned run average and it's down from seven to five, I think this is a team that can be really good this year. And if it's somehow even better than that, and it, then you're talking about some really special things, the talent is there, the depth is there. There's just not a whole lot defined as far as roles are concerned just yet on the pitching staff. But that's what I'm watching this year: is how much can that group improve, and that's going to determine whether or not, quite frankly, Chris Lamonis is able to remain the head coach of Mississippi State.
0: Yeah, I mean, I feel like pitching is always the big struggle in college, and um, you know, it's one thing, but you know, an ERA over seven as a team is just that's just not workable. Like you can't win games with that.
1: No, that and what what happened last year was that you were forcing your offense to have the mindset of we've got to score a bunch of runs, and in, in baseball. I don't think that's healthy for an offense. I think an offense needs to be able to be comfortable, sit back, relax, play their style of game, constantly thinking about how they're going to have to score runs to win the game. You you create an approach at the plate that really changes everything for you as a team in a bad way. And I thought that the offense was was solid last year. The numbers don't really bear it out, but I, I thought that they had some really good moments and obviously a great season. For both Hunter Hines and Dakota Jordan, but you just didn't allow that offense to hit its maximum potential because of the approach that they had to have each and every at bat.
0: Yeah, I mean, I was going through the scores from last year, and I'm just looking at you know, there's this stretch in SEC play where you know that they're losing games. You know, they lose back-to-back games against Tennessee, twelve-eight and thirteen to two um you know and then they lose um you know they had a 6-2 against Arkansas but then right after that you got 14-2 and 11-6 right like you can't and then you know started the LSU series 12-1 right like you, you have to be competitive and it sounds like you know for a lot of times last year their pitching just didn't let them do that
1: they didn't they didn't really have uh, defined roles. You didn't really have guys that you felt like, you know, most years you have a guy that on Friday night, that's your dude. And just about everybody in the SEC has a dude on Friday nights that can go out there and shove it, you know, on any given night can surrender two or less runs, three or less runs, give you a chance to win the ball game. State never had that last year. They never had a Friday night guy that they felt confident about. Um, they never had a, a consistent closer. They never had, you know, a setup guy. It, it was guys moving around, and one week they might have a good outing, and the next week they might have two bad ones. You just didn't have that last year. So that, that's the big thing this year is defining roles, getting guys in those positions to, to have success and, and see what happens. But one thing's for certain, they have to throw strikes this year, and they didn't do that enough last year, just way too many free bases. And they've got to cut that down by a ton this year to have a chance.
0: Yeah, um, it, it seems like, um, you know, State has really overhauled the rotation this year. Um, I'm looking through what you wrote this morning, and it seems like uh, uh, Nate Dome is going to be moving from, uh, you know, the rotation or from whatever they did with them last year. Cause it seemed like it was all over the place, you know, to the rotation as hopefully your Friday night guy. Um, You know, they have a transfer um, from Purdue in um, uh, Cal-Steven. And then, uh, you know, I'm not going to try to pronounce uh, Duranville's last name here. But, um, (laughs) you know, it, it seems like they've done a good amount of work trying to overhaul that.
1: Yeah. And, you know, the Dome was in the rotation a couple of times. They tried him out at starter just because they couldn't get anybody to come in there and and compete for him. And he was a guy that really competed. He didn't walk a lot of batters. I think he had 10 or 12 walks all season long and was one of their most used pitchers last season. But they just – they could never find what his distinguished role was going to be because they were having to put him in spots to help the team because he was pretty much their most effective pitcher as a whole. And, you know, like I said, he started a couple of games. This, this offseason, they've really worked with him on his secondary pitches, his change-ups, his curveball. He's got a good curveball this year. He's not just relying on that fastball as much this year. And he's got a good fastball. It's got movement on it. It's, uh, you know, upper 90s, closing in on triple digits. So he's got a ton of talent. And this year, they've really been meticulous in working with his off-speed pitches and things that he can add to his arsenal that's going to make him a guy that's gonna be an all around pitcher. And I think with that they've they've found confidence in him being a starter, a guy that they can throw out there that can go the distance in a ball game, you go six, seven innings, give you a long relief, um, too if that if that's a possibility, if he's not a starter. So yeah I, I think that he's going to be a big piece of things in some form or fashion. And they're hoping it's as a Friday night starter because he's definitely got the electric stuff to be that.
0: Yeah. And then um, what do you think of the Purdue transfer?
1: Yeah. So first year at Purdue was one of their more relied on relief guys and numbers weren't great, but he came up big in a, in a few spots for them. And last year he was their Friday night guy whenever they, entered conference play and kind of struggled early, but I think he went six and two in conference play as their Friday night starter. So he became their, basically their best pitcher by the end of the year and has shown some really good things so far, probably been their most consistent guy in in the fall and in the spring uh, during the scrimmages. So I, I think that he's been kind of a revelation for him. They got him out of the portal and haven't had a, a lot of great luck out of the portal a, at times, but I think that he's a guy, and you know Nate Dome obviously coming over from Ball State, two portal guys that can help Mississippi State in, in a big way this year.
0: Yeah, and then, um, you, you know, you, you do, I feel like you have to be a little bit concerned with, um, you know, going from the Big Ten to the SEC every weekend is going to be quite the step up.
1: It is. It is for sure. But, you know, if you can pitch, you can pitch. And if he's able to to throw strikes in this league, he's able to handle the big crowds, things like that. I think he'll be okay. You know, like I said, Dome came from Ball State. And I thought the mental side of things was not that big of a struggle for him last year. I thought he came in and was one of the few guys, especially early on, that was able to handle stress and everybody else just kind of struggled with it but he came in there and he attacked if you beat him you beat him and a couple of times he got beat um with you know coming in the zone and and attacking somebody and they just beat him but I don't think that he's a guy that's ever going to be beaten mentally he's just a different kind of cat in that regard and um you know hopefully you get some of the same from Cal Steven
0: yeah and then um you know we we kind of talk about trying to overhaul things and trying to fix things. Um but I, I feel like maybe sort of the um X factor when it comes to the rotation is um uh you know Harangelo. It looks like it's pronounced uh Sanja. We're gonna yep. roll with that. Dur- Durangelo yeah. Um you know, he had like an eight point one ERA last year. Um, but I mean he's also um you know, a switch pitcher, which is you know, always um at least intriguing and entertaining um so you know what do you kind of look from him as he tries to you know build off that because clearly that's um not a great freshman year
1: yeah you know and he he got thrown to the fire and we we definitely saw some some things from him last year that are exciting and you know there were obviously some games where he really struggled and that's to me expected from a freshman usually see a huge jump from that freshman to sophomore year. And if you can get, you know, a four-run earner on average from him this year, if you can cut that in half, I think that's a great year, um, especially if he's your Sunday starter. Uh, there were times last year, a lot of times, he was starting first game of the weekend, going head-to-head against an opposing team's ace. And the stuff is there, the, the ability to throw – you know, with both arms is, is just incredible to me. But I think one thing that would probably help him is relying more on that right hand than he is on the left. Uh, I think he's a much better right-handed pitcher than he is from the left side. And I, I think that's been more of the focus in the off season is spending a little more time on the right hand. And I think it's it's just tough to be able to balance, you know, what do I need to do right here? This guy's better against lefties. I mean, it's just, to me, that's just putting more of a strain on yourself than anything. And I think being able to just focus on that and get really good at throwing right-handed, I think would benefit him tremendously. And he could have a big year this year.
0: Yeah, and then um let's kind of uh shift phases here. We've talked a lot about the pitching. Um, but you know Mississippi State's lineup was 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 fairly good by SEC standards last year. And um, you know, they got a couple big guys back in Dakota Jordan and you know, Hunter Hines, you know, you don't really um get a ton of um guys who return uh, who hit you know twenty two home runs in a season, right? Um yep. so you know, how big are those two guys really gonna be?
1: Oh, huge. I mean, Hunter Hines was one of the best home run hitters in the country last year. Really, you know, was a great freshman, too. And there there were certain times where he went through a little bit of a slump, but he's a guy that was definitely looking for big hits last year because I think he was pressing a little bit with what Mississippi State had uh, pitching-wise and defensively. Uh, he has a chance this year to um, – really move up the draft charts and be a wanted man uh, from MLB teams based on what he can do from a power perspective, just different kind of strength out of him. And uh, when he gets a hold of it, man, I mean, you you lose the ball. You don't know where it goes. So I I think he could have a a huge, huge season for for State. And then obviously returning Dakota Jordan is is big as well. You got those two big uh, home run hitters in the lineup. Um, very close to each other probably you know maybe even three or four in the lineup and uh, Dakota probably a better all-around hitter at times um, especially whenever you know he he starts to really get the the breaking ball down and can see it a little better but those two coming back is going to be huge for Mississippi State's lineup this year uh, and driving in runs and uh, you got some good guys at the top of the order as well. You got Imani Larry up there who's a veteran hitter who's had a really good career at New Orleans and at Mississippi State. And David Mershon's a, a really patient hitter that you could put him at the bottom of the lineup, to turn the lineup over, or he could be a top of the lineup guy as well. So they got some pieces there, especially in the, in the front part of that order.
0: Yeah, um, I just thought it was interesting that um, Dakota Jordan was the only uh, state player to make the um, preseason All SEC team, and he was on the second team. So,
1: yeah, it, it kind of speaks to the talent of the SEC too. Um, you know, Hunter Hines is one of the best first baseman hitters in in the league, and one of the best hitters overall in the league, and he's nowhere to be found in the list. I think that's to me it speaks to what the talent is in the SEC. But also, you know, I just don't think that coaches are very high on this team and State's going to have to prove it. State's going to have to come out and prove everyone wrong. And I don't think it's going to happen in a non-conference schedule because the schedule isn't daunting for them, but they kind of need that confidence built up. So I, I think State's going to have to shock people in SEC play and show that they're back before people really start to take notice of what they have.
0: Yeah, I think um, sort of the um, preseason storyline for both State and Ole Miss is pretty similar. Um, And, you know, they finish sixth and seventh right now in the uh, preseason coaches poll, Ole Miss being sixth and uh, State being seventh. But, uh, you know, what what gives you the confidence that they can overcome some of the uh, preseason uh, buzz or lack thereof?
1: Yeah. So, I mean, I don't know if I have a ton of confidence that it could happen, but if they do overcome it, it's become, it's because of what Justin Parker's done with this pitching staff. And, you know, they, there was obviously some kind of disconnect between the pitching staff and and pitching coach Scott Foxhall Uh, after that national championship run, whatever was going on there just didn't resonate with, with that staff. And, I didn't think it was a talent issue. You know, I didn't think it was particularly a depth issue. I thought you know, state had some pieces. They just weren't able to put it together. And Justin Parker has been tasked with cleaning that up and putting those pieces together. And we'll see if he's able to do that. If he is, I think state has a really good season because they're probably going to rack up wins and non-conference play. And if you, Really start to compete on the mound in SEC play, you I think you set yourself up to have a a good season, and um, you know that's that's uh that's paramount for this team, paramount for Chris Lamona's because he has to get back on track.
0: Yeah, and then I think the um, last thing I'll end with here is uh, is this a do or die year for uh, Chris Lamona's here?
1: Most definitely. You know, there were rumblings last year that uh, a lot of people were ready for a change. Um, You know, the people that maybe not in the administration, but a lot of people that are heavily invested in Mississippi State. And Zach Selman decided that he was uh, ready to give Chris Simonis another shot this year. But I just don't see a way through having three straight seasons outside of the postseason. Um, and I'm not as adamant as some people that, you know, if he doesn't host, he's going to lose his job or something like that. I think if this team is showing, you know, a, a, a lot of improvement they're getting in the postseason, I think he's going to get another shot next year. But, you know, we'll obviously see on that. And right or wrong, I just that's just my opinion on it. But um, I, I think he's got to get this team back into postseason this year and moving in the right direction at least because there, there's a lot of things he's got to clean up with the pitching staff and that's understandable and you can say that, well, a lot of that is on him and it is, but he's got to be able to get this team at least moving in the right direction, showing some improvement and in getting into postseason play. I think that's uh, crucial for him this year.
0: All right, um, thanks, Robbie, for your time this morning. I really appreciate it. Um, where can people find you?
1: Yeah, you can find me like like I said on uh, Marine White Daily. Um, come over there, and you can find my work and Paul Jones, and um, we both have basketball covered in full, and then all the other team sports as well. We we try to get a little bit of everything covered, but especially hit you know basketball, football, and baseball hard. And um, also recruiting, Paul, is one of the best in the business in, in covering recruiting, so you can come check us out there. We have $1 um, for a month for subscriptions to come check us out. Uh, I'm on Twitter at RobbieFalkOn3, so you can um, follow me there on Twitter. And then, you know, if you're interested in the local Starkville Daily News coverage, uh, I'm Robbie Falk, SDN there, and I try to keep my uh, high school coverage – um kind of secluded to to that twitter page so you can find me on those spots
0: thanks robbie and uh, thanks again for your time and i hope everybody enjoys uh their return to the dude this weekend as uh state faces uh air force for three games this weekend
1: absolutely i appreciate you having me man
0: thanks all right i've got michael uh with me now um of course, Michael and I, we both write for the Daily Journal. Um, you can always find all of our coverage at djournal.com and follow us on social at djournal Um You can follow Michael at Michael L. Katz.
2: Uh, Michael, how are you? I'm good. It's, it's that wonderful time of year when uh, I call it the convergence where everything is happening um, all at once. I know it's happening in high school right now. Baseball is about to start for from so we've got both basketballs we've got softball and we've got baseball um this is on me but I'm teaching as well so just uh, a, a lot of a lot of uh, cooks in the kitchen I'm not sure if I'm any of them sometimes
0: yeah no I'm sure that you were thinking you know football's not during the spring surely it'll be manageable and then you know February March rolls around you're like why did I do this to myself
2: and then wait till spring football and then and then it starts again we got we got a little bit of time left
0: yeah so um we'll miss baseball uh, they're heading off to Hawaii this weekend of all places to open the season so um what's the uh, what's the word so far
2: well first of all uh, I know this will stun many of our listeners I will not be there uh, that was not uh I don't think that's in anybody's travel budget uh the the the, the opening weekend Uh, trip to hawaii uh first pitch is 10 35 p.m friday uh mississippi time which is just absolutely incredible stuff um so that's i i've been dreading that already and i've still got a few days uh you know let's if we're being honest almost baseball it was it was tough last year i mean they do win the national championship in 2022 Uh, Mike Bianco is named the national coach of the year. You are riding the high of all highs. And then, uh, you know, your, your ace gets first game of the year, tries to make a comeback. It doesn't work. He's out for the year with Tommy Johns. Um, uh, And really it just kind of, it just kind of snowballed from there. I mean, they won a single conference series, uh, I think six and 24 overall in the SEC 25 and 29. uh, And that's kind of, it's, it's stunning. And I know that it, it happened to Mississippi state the year after they won the national title um, just the year before. And so uh, it's not like it's unprecedented, but I think just to, you never think it's going you know, to happen. It's your program. And so I think it was, it was really surprising. I think from coaches and, and the players who uh, were still there that it, the bottom fell out the way it did. And so, um you know they're picked second to last only ahead of mississippi state uh, in the west right now and it's a pretty unfamiliar spot for this program in 20 years under mike bianco um this has been a consistent ncaa tournament team and uh you know right now like they probably wouldn't be slated uh to make it to the sec tournament which would be the second year in a row so uh you know the expectations i think from the outside aren't uh, as high as, as obviously not last year, but I think just in general, um, I think the expectation is always for, you know, at least the regional, uh, around here. Um, I, I think it's, it is a little bit different from the outside looking in from baseball America and D1 baseball and all those places. But I think inside that building, I think they're, they're excited for what they have, uh, you know, just like football, they hit the transfer portal really, really hard. Um, you know they had some pretty glaring spots that they needed to uh, to settle. You know when you lose a first round shortstop and Jacob Gonzalez and uh, one of the best sluggers in the SEC and uh, Kemp Alderman, a draft pick catcher, uh, you've you've got some spots to fill. And that was on a team that that didn't do as well as it should have last year. There were more holes than that. Um, so you know they went in and got a really good third baseman from Duke, a really good shortstop from Arizona state. Um, they're really counting on their freshmen. They were freshmen last year. Uh, those pitchers, JT Quinn and Grayson Sanier, to take um, that next step. They showed flashes last year, but uh, you know, when your staff ERA, I think was 6.4 overall, uh, you know, not everybody's carrying their weight. Um, so I think that, you know, it's, it's a different looking team. Um, you know, last year, yeah, there was no Tim Elko and there was no Kevin Graham and there was no Justin Bench, but there were still some very recognizable faces with, with Jacob Gonzalez and Peyton Chatagnier and uh, guys like that on the team. Um, it, it's, it's, it, you know, obviously people graduate and people leave, but it's, it's, you know, it, it's, it's getting less and less familiar from that, uh you know, that super senior laden team of, of 2022. And that's, that's the way it goes. People, uh, you know, graduate, get older and whatnot, but uh, it's going to be a different looking team. But I I think that there's potential. Uh, I think that they're, I think their lineup is going to be just fine. Again, I, I, the question, and this was the question last year, um, are they going to pitch it well enough? You know, they lost another starter Xavier Rivas uh, had, he hurt himself I think it was two weeks ago and he was going to be a weekend guy and he's having Tommy Johns too. Uh, that's a big blow. Um, there's, there's no way around that. Uh, you were, you were banking on him to eat innings and, you know, be a steadying presence among those younger pitchers, but, um, you know, it it happens, you move on. Uh, I think they're really going to need some of these younger guys to come through on the mound. And if that happens, I think they've got a chance to kind of right the ship and have it look more similar to what we've seen in really the last two decades.
0: Yeah. It's sort of interesting. Um, You know, talking to you and and Robbie Falk on the state side where it's, you know, kind of the um, same issues on both sides where it's like, hey, we had a disappointing season after a recent, you know, college World Series uh, win. Right. And um, you start asking questions of like, you know, I mean. Here, like college baseball is such a big deal that like you cannot miss the postseason back to back years. Um, has not happened under Mike Bianco. Um, but I mean, also, it sort of feels like if the minimum is just make it back to the postseason, like that sort of feels like a failure, too. I guess,
2: yeah. I mean, again, if this had been if 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 you take last year out of the equation, uh, if you just make it to a regional, that is not good enough, generally speaking, at all. It needs to be a super regional. Uh, you know, there was, you know, right before they won the College World Series and again, almost Miss almost missed that tournament and obviously went on this crazy run. Uh, you know, they were mad because, you know, fans were upset because they couldn't make it out of the Super Regionals. Um, you know, uh, if a, if they made it to a Super Regional this year, I think, you know, maybe it's a little bit different energy than it would have been. Uh, in, in different years given what happened last year but you know Mike Bianco was was very straightforward just because they had a bad year last year doesn't mean the expectations uh, for them have changed uh, you know it's not just good enough for them to make the tournament uh, you know what we see and what fans see is different from what you know is happening inside that building um, they, they're they I mean, they're expecting to be a, 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 a really good tournament team again and to make a run and uh, to get back to omaha I mean that's that's they've they've done it i I don't think that they don't think they can do it again so uh I, I think it's there's it an interesting sort of uh it's interesting to look at at the difference between what you know what what we see and what we think would be I guess a uh, quote unquote good year uh and what they think is because you know if this team made it back to the tournament uh, i I you know from my perspective you'd think they'd be pretty happy but uh i know they want more because they've had more for the better part of 20 years uh it's just making it to the tournament's never been good enough um so uh it's it it is really interesting you know again mississippi you know baseball means so much here um it it really is um I, i i've never been anywhere like that where it's it's that big of a a thing across the state and even Southern Miss too. Um, you know, it's just baseball within the state is, is college baseballs. It's, 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 it's a really big deal. And for your two flagship programs to be down at the same time is just very, very, it's rare, um, because of the history of both programs, but, um, you know, both coming off national championships, is just something that you would have never thought would happen, but, uh, here we are, you know, it's, it's, if state has another bad year, you know, who knows what happens to, uh, you know, uh, what, what, if do they make some changes there, if Ole Miss doesn't make it, do they make changes there, you know, it's things that uh, we're always thinking about, but, you know, it's a couple years off a national title, it's crazy that these are, are things that um, people are, are 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 thinking about, and Um, you know, are are reasonably bringing up uh, if things don't go well, of course, they're hoping they do go well. Um, but you know, we uh until we see them play, uh, you know, Friday at 10 35, uh, I don't I don't know much about this team yet, and and I think that's that's maybe a a, you know, I think it's there's a chance for them to uh, you know, be better than people think, and I and I do think they are going to be better than people think. I think last year was an aberration, um. But, you know, is it going to be good enough for them? We'll see.
0: Yeah, and then I realized that having a doubleheader on Saturday kind of throws the traditional Friday, Saturday, um, Sunday night starter rotation out the window, at least for another week. Um, So do you think this gives an opportunity um, for some uh, competition here? Because you're going to have technically four starters um, this weekend when usually you only have three.
2: Yeah. So it's like you said, it's, it it is a weird situation. So the Friday night guy is JT Quinn. Uh, He was one of those freshmen that, um, you know, you saw flashes um, and maybe do a little bit to necessity uh, became a weekend guy uh, because they didn't have a a ton of depth there. Um, But, you know, I know they like what they've seen from him. He's got a power fastball he's got really good stuff. Uh, You saw flashes last year. Uh, I know, I believe that first doubleheader game, it's going to be uh Gunner Dennis. He's a junior college kid. We don't know much about him. I know he's had a really good, you know, few weeks and they felt like he earned the shot to do it. Uh, Grayson Sonnier, I believe is getting the back half of the doubleheader. Um, he was the really, he, I even mean, he was the higher touted freshman, uh, I believe over, over Quinn. And, and he's, uh, you know, he's from, um, he, he's from Tennessee. Uh, he's, uh, you know, he was supposed to be uh, an ace sooner rather than later, and it just hadn't didn't really work last year. He had some issues with control. Uh, so I know that you know this is a this is a big, this is a big situation for him. And then uh, that last game, it's actually gonna be Riley Maddox, who uh, is a reliever or has been a reliever, and he came back last year after his Tommy John uh, surgery. And, uh, you know, he's a guy that they think can thrive in this role. And when you've got four games, you might as well give everybody a shot. So it's going to be weird. I, I really don't know what to expect. And I don't know how much we learned this weekend against uh, Hawaii. I know Hawaii was, was, was pretty decent last year, um, but it's not what you're going to be seeing when, you know, you're in Fayetteville or in, you know, Gainesville or any of these other SEC um, type situations. But, uh, it is I think it is a big opportunity for some of these these pitchers who we haven't seen uh, either at all or in, in these specific roles.
0: Yeah, and, um, you know, we, we kind of mentioned how it's kind of funny how State and Ole Miss are in the same situations and a lot of things, but also like a lot of their failings were the exact same. Uh, maybe not to the cartoonish extent that Mississippi State's pitching struggled last year, uh, but Ole Miss had their struggles on the mound, too.
2: Yeah, I mean, again, uh, I think their ERA was 189th nationally and third worst in the SEC, only ahead of Georgia and the aforementioned Mississippi State. Um, Ole Miss has had really good pitching uh, over the years. I mean, they've had uh, guys get drafted really high. And they've had, uh, you know, Dylan DeLucia was the College World Series MVP in 2022 because he went on a run I've never – Scene, uh just with what he was able to do over the the end stretch of, of the regular season and the postseason um, they have had good pitching more often than not and so it is it is pretty crazy again I understand that injuries and and, and having to put freshmen in, in situations where you probably weren't expecting uh, you know that, that's going to inflate those numbers a, a little bit um, but it is really uh, the first time in a while at least that uh, you know the pitching wasn't a you know a, a pretty sure thing you know uh, you, you think of the better pitching staffs in the SEC over the last few years and you know Vanderbilt obviously and Florida's had really good ones and Arkansas has had really good ones and uh, but you know o- o- Ole Miss for the better part of you know the last again under Mike Bianco ha- has generally had good pitching and so um, I-, I think it was a little shocking to see it unfold the way it did and uh, I certainly hope uh, or I know they hope that uh, they do not have a repeat of that 6.4 ERA. because if they do, it's going to be another really long season.
0: Yeah, especially with how good the SEC is every week, week in, week out. Um, and then as a Marlins fan, I need to, uh, you know, at least reference uh, or mention, um, you know, Ole Miss losing uh, Kent Balderman um and you know not a marlin but you know and and jacob gonzalez too so how's the lineup shaking out
2: yeah so again uh you know jacob gonzalez was a first round pick by the white Sox. i think it was 15th overall uh you know he was a rare talent at shortstop not just you know he had the average he had the power he had a a great arm um he was a slick fielder i mean he was he was every bit of 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 a of a high round draft pick, and you know, he got picked accordingly. Uh, you know, Kemp Alderman, I don't know if I've ever seen a ball hit farther than some of the things that he hit last year. Uh, oh, and then he also, you know, was throwing like 94 uh, in a relief role just because they needed someone to throw a week, a weekday game. Um, and he wanted to, um, so again, it's just a, a elite talent, you know, second round pick um and you know the other one is calvin harris the, the catcher who hit well over 300 last year um but you know when you when you look at what they had coming back it was pretty obvious that they needed to fill some holes and and they did that again through the portal uh it, by all accounts they're going to have a true freshman starting a catcher campbell smithwick who's an oxford kid uh that's going to be pretty wild they've had some great catchers over the last you know, a few years, Smithwick, by all accounts, is is going to be a superstar. Again, I saw him hit a home run at Oxford Highs uh, at the opening of their stadium uh, last year. And that was that was the, hard, the farthest I've ever seen a high school uh, player hit a baseball. Uh, and Mike Bianco was there, too, so I'm pretty sure he was excited about that one. But um, so you've got him at catcher. Um, you know, you've got Jackson Ross, who's an FAU transfer. He hit well over 300 last year. Reagan Burford uh, is is going to get a second base, and, and he's their captain, uh, one of their captains. Uh, he's, you know, he's he was the primary third baseman to start 2022, and then he had some fielding errors, and he hasn't seen as much time since. He only started a few games last year, but uh, they're, they're giving him a shot at second. He's a veteran guy. He, he's a leader. Uh, shortstop, it's Luke Hill from Arizona State, who did really, really good things last year in the Pac-12 as a freshman. Um, Same with Andrew Fisher, Duke third baseman. Uh, He was a, you know, a freshman, all ACC, all American type guy. He's got big power. He's a big, strong kid. Uh, Ethan Groff is going to be back uh, in center field. Uh, He had a little bit of an up and down year last year, um, but he did really good things at Tulane. And I think there there's the expectation that's going to look a little bit closer to that. Uh, left field, it's it's gonna be you know maybe not it's gonna be a little bit more situational, but guys like Judd Edermark and 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 John Kramer are, are and Jackson Ross potentially uh, if he's not playing first um, are guys to look out for there. And then in right field is maybe their best or their biggest name from the transfer portal, uh, Tracey Hughes, who uh, was at Mercer and he was an All Sun performer, hit 351, I believe over two years. got a ton of power he he's a he's a center fielder um by trade so you're gonna have two center field type athletes uh in the outfield that's just gonna make your defense better uh he's 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 gonna be a really big part of this thing so if you look at the individual pieces you've got some really nice hitters now you've got really nice hitters all around the sec and i think that's part of the uh you know you you can go into a matchup and feel good uh, and the team you're facing is, is going to have just as much talent, if not more. That's just kind of the way it goes. But I, I think they like their odds with with with, with, with this group and, and these new guys and um, the sort of fresh energy, you know. Um, they all – everybody – we talked to them on Friday, a few of them. Andrew Fisher was one of the new guys uh, we talked to. He's a, he's already becoming a vocal leader, and he just – is one of these guys that I think is just really excited about – uh, you know, the opportunity to to play in the SEC. And I think there's a lot of guys like that on this team that are excited to play at a place like Ole Miss. And I think that, um, I think energy from those guys is, 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 is going to be palpable. And I think that people are going to see it uh, sooner than later. So does that translate to, uh, you know, everybody hitting 300? I don't know, but I think there's really good power potential. And I think there's really good uh, on base potential there too.
0: Yeah, you mentioned uh, Smithwick. So, and as um, as a guy who does some of our preps coverage, I feel obligated to mention him a little further. Um I only, uh, granted, Ali moved here like right in the middle of or right at the beginning of of playoffs, so I didn't get to see him a ton. But um, I, I should mention that he hit four sixty three uh, his senior season at Oxford with with six home runs. So. Uh, I believe he also took home, like, Mr. Baseball honors here, which in the state of Mississippi is uh, – it's, it's, it's quite an accomplishment.
2: Yeah, no, he's – again, you don't you don't hand the keys over to just anybody uh, at catcher, especially at Ole Miss. Mike Bianco's an old catcher. He, he takes that position very, very importantly. Uh, it's very important to him. I think he understands how big a role catchers play, not just offensively, but how they call a game and – uh, all those sorts of things. And and for him to have that confidence in him and Campbell Smithwick, I think it says a lot. Um, will have be some growing pains? Probably. I think there's going to be growing pains for anybody uh, who's just getting into college baseball. But uh, again, there is so much talent there. Um, you know, you, you can usually recognize a man among boys at the high school level. Um, and just the way the ball sounded off his bat, you just said, that's a college baseball player like that kid. He's already a college baseball player. I feel bad for everybody uh, that has to face him the rest of this year. And then he hit 460, whatever. So, uh, you know, clearly he kept it going. Uh, he's a talented kid. He's going to have a really bright future.
0: Yeah, and then, uh, you know, sort of in the spirit of, um, I guess, the Ole Miss culture that was established by Lane Kiffin, uh, you know, Ole Miss really hit the portal pretty hard uh, during the offseason. So... Um, Now that we're, you know, right ahead of the season here, um, what all has that brought to the table heading into it?
2: Yeah, so it's interesting because baseball recruiting is weird because, like, they almost had another top five class, right? But some of those guys end up getting drafted and they never show up on campus. Uh, So you can have this super good class, but then you lose guys who end up being first or second round picks cause they get money. Um, and so the class that you had on paper is not as good or as strong, uh, as it was. And so again, I think that's where the transfer portal becomes so big because you might have had a superstar shortstop you thought coming in, um, or an ace, uh, you know, an ace pitcher coming in and you lose them because the money's too good, uh, in the MLB draft. Um, I think that's where the portal is really big. Um, you know, earlier, you just kind of had to deal with it. Uh, and you had to just sort of go through the season and or maybe, you know, pick up some pieces in terms of maybe getting some guys you weren't recruiting as hard. Uh, you know, now you've got this combination of, I you can get guys that are ready to play right now who have played. Uh, and they've gotten, I mean, they're high-level performers that almost Miss has gotten. It's not like, you know, sometimes in the football transfer portal, uh, you see guys get taken on potential right because they were five stars um and it doesn't work out there for school uh and they need a, a new start and everybody's really excited because of that five star thing and that's not to say they don't end up being great that they often do end up being great um but i feel like with this baseball class you're getting guys who have already produced um at, at the division one level and i think that's really big and it's not like they were just producing you know just dis- no disrespect to uh, you know, the Sun Belt or Conference USA or the Atlantic Sun or whatever it is, uh, you know, this was the Pac-12 and and the ACC and, uh, you know, places like that. I mean, these were these were very, very good conferences. Uh, rest in peace, Pac-12. I'm going to miss you. Um, but, uh, you know, I, I think getting talent that you know can play on the big stage is really, really big. And uh, you know, when you when you lose guys in high school to the draft, you you it's it's, it's either you just sort of hang your head or, or you you try to get better other ways, and the transfer portal uh, has been really really big and in, in, in getting um, when you lose guys and filling those gaps in a lot faster and in some ways making your team better than it would have been.
0: Yeah, um, and then uh, unless you had anything else, I uh, just. One last thing for you. Um, if you were to have a bold prediction, now I realize that you are juggling several different things right now. Um, but if you were to predict how the season ends up for Ole Miss, where would you put it?
2: Um, I, I mean, I don't know how bold this is, but I think they're going to make the postseason, uh, the 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 NCAA tournament. I know that that's not. Where this team has, has wanted to be, it's always been bigger than that. But um, I think that they're gonna they're gonna be in a in a better place than people think. Is it is it gonna win the SEC? I know the SEC is really really good, um, and it might not. You know, when Ole Miss won the College World Series, they were under 500 in the SEC, so that doesn't always equate to how good a team is uh, because of just how good the conference is. But uh, I you know this team it's 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 going to be extremely competitive i think it's going to be better than people think uh i think that this is a team that, that that will be in a regional uh come i guess it's uh late may early june
0: gotcha um michael is there anything else you wanted to add
2: no i'm just uh you know i've i've got a a college base a basketball game starting eight o'clock tonight uh and then we've got uh you know i, I get to uh we got, we got the 1035 start in baseball on, uh, on, on, on Friday. And uh, we we got more basketball. There's just, there's, there's a lot going on right now. So I just, uh, I I appreciate everybody listening and reading and uh, we will, we'll have you covered uh, as as best we can at thejournal.com.
0: Michael, thanks again for joining me. I really appreciate your time. Um, I hope everybody else does. Um, Once again, Uh, You can find Michael on Twitter at Michael L. Katz. Um, You know, feel free to find all of our coverage at Djournal.com. You can find me on Twitter at BeFerrell727, by the way. Um, And if you want more of our Ole Miss or Mississippi State coverage, uh, feel free to check out our lineup of newsletters at Djournal.com forward slash newsletters. And if you want to join the conversation with other fans, um, feel free to check out our Mississippi State sports discussion or Ole Miss sports discussion groups on Facebook. Um thanks again for listening and uh, have a good one